Good morning. Church, say amen. amen. God is good. He is. He is. Just a week or two ago, we're talking to that young man there on the phone, could barely get a sentence out without coughing and coughing, catching his breath. And, and look what God has done. Brought him back. God is good. You know, one thing I've come to realize, everybody needs some prayer. Everybody's in need of some prayer. I don't care where you are and where you may go. People are in need of prayer. Something's going on in everybody's lives. Something is going on in everybody's family. Everybody is in need of prayer. I'm fit to jump on Bobby if he come up here and mess with this heat. Huh? Oh, okay, okay. I, I, I sent it back to him. He said he didn't need it. But uh, <laughs> me, me and Bobby, we have a fight over this heat. And you can hang meat up in here sometime. It'd be so cold. And folks, I, I, I'm sitting there watching now. Some folks fanning now. And it's like, hey, it's just thawing out to me. But nevertheless, you know what? I won't hold you long so we don't have to be uncomfortable for whatever your, your setting is. And, and Sister Rosemary, I won't have to jump on your son about that thermostat. But as I was mentioning, everybody's in need of prayer for something. And so just remember, prayer is a powerful tool. Prayer is a powerful tool. Don't take it for granted. Don't take it lightly. Prayer allows us the accessibility to talk directly with God. You know, once upon a time, the Jews, you know, they they had the temple set up. The, the, the priests had to go in and offer that offering, that burnt offering, that, that sacrifice unto God. But now the Bible said that we are a royal priesthood. We are priests that, you know what? We can enter into the holy of holiest. We can enter and go in before God. Listen to me. We can stand before God and present our case. We can call directly on God. Through Christ now. Through Christ. Don't, don't, don't get mixed up. Because without the blood of Christ, without the cleansing of Christ, you know what? The Bible says even in Christ, you know what? Our best day of living righteous is but a filthy rag. So you can only imagine apart from Christ, we would only be disgusting and filthy before God. But through Christ, we receive redemption. We are washed. We are sanctified and we are justified. So we can enter into that holy of holiest place. And make our petition and cry unto God and and make our plea. We don't have to depend on some man to go in and petition for us. When you're in Christ, you can petition for yourself. You know, with something as important as your soul. I don't know about you. You could say, I'm I'm sounding selfish about this if you want to. But something as precious as my soul, I don't want to entrust the responsibility in the hands of anybody else than Jesus. I don't want to depend on your prayer. To get me to heaven. It's not that I don't love you. But you may just be in one of those conditions one day or some days. You know what? You might not care. Man, if I'm going to go to hell, it's going to be because I chose to go. I'm not going to entrust my soul where it's going to live forever. 
throughout eternity in the hands of you or anybody else on this earth. If I'm going to trust anybody, it's going to be Jesus. Amen, Amen, church. So we are blessed that God allowed us this opportunity to be chosen by him to be a part of this royal priesthood. The Bible said we're peculiar people. Chosen by God for his own possession. That we may show forth the praise of him. And his glory. Handpicked. Think about that. God handpicked us. That we might go forth and show the glory he is worthy of. He could have left us out there. He could have left us out there, but he allowed us to receive this gift of salvation that comes by way of his son, Jesus Christ. And now, now we have a relationship. We have fellowship. We're heirs of what's to come. Not only in this life, but even in the next You know what? I already have a home being built in glory. John 14, one and following. I'm sending up payments every day that I live. As I live, presenting my body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him. I'm putting down what we would call sweat equity, spiritual sweat equity. That whatever it is I have to put up with and go through in this life, you know what? It's going to account for the down payment. So one day I'm going to hear, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Brother Bobby brought a wonderful lesson this morning. And you know what? I've said, I've said it many, many times, and I'll continue to say it until I die. Whatever hell you got to go through in this life, heaven is worth it. Heaven is worth it. We have our, we'll have our trials. We'll have our tribulations. We'll have our times when we're going to be sick. We're going to have our times when we feel good. We're going to have some trouble in our lives. But regardless of what you have to go through in this life, heaven is worth it. Amen. Amen. I love the point. You know, people always get concerned and ask, what if, what is, or will I be able to do this? Man, when I get to heaven, it doesn't even matter about what happened in this life. It doesn't matter. Folks ask me all the time, well, will I remember this? And you know what? Die and get there. <laughs> And have all your questions answered. But as far as going to hell, you'll have, you'll have to let me know by some other means. Because I don't plan on going there. When I get to heaven, folks, it ain't going to matter what happened in this life. I don't want to be reminded of anything in this life. The trouble, the heartache, the pain, the suffering that this life has brought to me. I don't want to take it to heaven. Amen. Why would I want to be reminded. Of something that I went through. The troubles in this life. In a beautiful place like heaven. Amen. God has it set up. Let me tell you. You're going to be so shocked. That you made it. You, you ain't going to worry about. What happened in this life. Now, I got Bible to back that up, too. The Bible say if the righteous scarcely, scarcely be saved, where shall the sinner and the ungodly appear? You worrying about it and, 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 and complex yourself with all this what if and will this and that, this and that. Let me tell you, just get to heaven. Get to heaven. You have all your questions answered. This morning, we want to talk about a famous leper, Naaman. A famous leper, Naaman. Many of you are 
familiar with the story of Naaman? The Bible reads in 2 Kings chapter 5, beginning verse 1, it said, Now Naaman, captain of the hosts of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master. It said Naaman was a great man in the eyes of his master. It didn't say of God. It said he was a great man in the eyes of his master. He was a great man because he was a great leader. He was a great warrior. Not trying to take anything from him. But this he was in the eyes of his master. He was honorable. Because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor. But, 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 he was a leper. He had the prestige. He had the reputation. He had the honor and the glory bestowed upon him. He had all the things a great leader and a person of that status would have. But the Bible said he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out by companies. And had brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, With God my Lord, wherewith the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And the king of Syria said, go to, go. And I was sin. A letter unto the king of Israel. And he departed and took with him. Listen to what he took with him. Ten talents, ten talents of silver, 6,000 pieces of gold, and ten changes of raiment. He took the clothes, he took the entourage, and he was loaded with the cash. He had it. But he was a leper. And he brought the letter to the king of Israel saying, Now when this letter is come unto thee, behold, I have therewith sent Naaman, my servant, to thee, that thou mayest recover him of his leprosy. He sent the letter unto the king and sent Naaman unto the king looking for a cure. And the king of Israel listened to his response. And it came to pass when the king of Israel had read the letter that he rent his clothes. He took his clothes and tore his clothes. And this designated, this was an indication of frustration, of, of, of insult, rage, madness. Listen to what he said. Am I God? To kill and to make alive? That this man does sin unto me to recover a man of his leprosy? See, even the king understood there are just some things even a king with all his power can't do. And the king was frustrated and angered with the letter. And he said, why is this man sending this letter unto me and sending this man unto me as if I can cure him of his leprosy or as if I'm God who can raise somebody from the dead? Why does this man want to quarrel with me? Wherefore, consider, I pray you, and see how he seeketh a quarrel against me. And it was so when Elijah, the man of God, had heard 
that the king of Israel had rent his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, why hast thou rented thy clothes? Let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. And Elijah sent a messenger out unto him, saying, Go and wash in Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall be, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Quick review. Naaman. Great man with his master, trustworthy, dependable, honorable, mighty, and valor. But he was a leper. Naaman had money, Naaman had status. But Naaman had leprosy. Naaman had a disease that there was no cure for. Naaman was in dire strait. Because nobody wanted to be around anybody who had leprosy. Mm -hmm. Leprosy is an infectious disease that causes severe, disfiguring skin sores and nerve damage in the arms, legs, and skin areas around the bottom, about the body. This is what Naaman had, along with the saddest. The fame, the valor, the money. One major point I want to make this morning, and the lesson is yours. You can have all the money. You can have all the goods. But if you don't have God, you ain't got nothing. You know, I've had my days, Brother Reggie, i had my days being sick and laid up in bed and sick. And, and I, I call on my car. And it would respond. It wouldn't draw me anywhere. It wouldn't take me anywhere. It offered me no comfort. But yet we will work and we will work and we will work and we'll sell our souls to the devil to own a nice car. We'll put it before God. Only to have when your health fails or something else, you know what? That car can't help you. I'm using me as an example. I ain't got to worry about nobody being offended or, or, or upset. I don't have the best wardrobe in the world, but the few pieces of rags I have. You know, when I, when I laid in the bed sick, they served me no purpose. I didn't have anywhere to get up and go to. <laughs> Wasn't strong enough. Didn't feel like it. Didn't care about how well dressed and groomed I look. I said, Closet, why don't you help me? But the clothes wouldn't speak back. You can have the money. You can have the fame. But let me tell you something. When you get down, you're going to need God. Amen. Naaman and all of his 
glory and all of his value and everything, he still didn't understand one important thing, who God was. He still sought out a man to help him in a situation that only God can cure him of. And then, folks, when he was directed to Elijah, oh, can't you see him? He pulls up in front of the prophet's house with his chariots, his entourage. Can't you see all of these folks pulling up and everything? And Elijah wouldn't even come to the door and as much as speak to him. And guess what, folks? Naaman didn't like it. He didn't appreciate it. Elijah sent a messenger out and said, just go dip in Jordan seven times and your skin will be recovered. Naaman had to be messed up, folks. For his skin to be recovered, it had to be gone. Can you imagine how he probably looked? But even in that condition of suffering and being in need, he took an attitude that, you know what? How dare you? How dare you? Do you know who I am? Do you know who I am? I've come here in the name of the king. I've come here. I'm the captain of the host. I have people serving me who who work under me. Do you know who I am? And you're going to send a messenger out to tell me something? We know people like that. People quick to say, do you know who I am? No, I don't care. Naaman said, (laughs) Naaman had a problem many of us have today. Naaman suffered not only from leprosy, but he suffered from a hell-binding condition called pride. Even with the leprosy, he was blinded by his pride of the blessing that was told unto him. Man, go dip seven times and get it over with. How hard could that have been, folks? How hard could that have been to just go dip seven times? If if I'm dying of an incurable disease and I know time is not on my side and somebody say, look, Go do this, and you're going to recover your skin. You're going you're gonna to live. You know what? Before they can complete the sentence, I'm gone. I'm gone. Why? Because I want to live. But Naaman suffered from what many suffer from spiritually today. Pride. It's mentioned in the Bible. That's why we, we read when, when the Lord, and so when John wrote, he said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Your pride can lead you to eternal damnation. And what I mean about pride You could be told what to do to correct the problem, but you're so caught up in you that the truth isn't what you really appreciate and what you want to hear. Naaman was told to go dip seven times. And he became upset because Elijah would not come out and put on some fanfare show. He says, surely, read it for yourself. It's right there in chapter 5. 
He says, surely I thought he would have come out and called on his God and put on some big show like we see these false teachers and false preachers on TV doing. Call themselves speaking in tongues and, and mm-hmm. talking all this crazy stuff and knocking people down and all that kind of stuff, putting on a show. Mm-hmm. No. Elijah said, go dip seven times and your skin will recover. He was wroth. He was mad. Like people become when we tell them, you're not saved. Christ only built one church. He's only coming back for one church. Ephesians chapter 4, there's one body, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, one spirit. But people get mad. Why? Because they feel, how dare you? How dare you question and insult what my grandparents and what my parents taught me? How dare you insult me or challenge me on what my pastor said? Well, I'm just simply telling you what the word of God says. And if your pastor or preacher or whatever you call them is an honest person, we should be reading and teaching the same thing. If Ephesians 4 and 4 said there's only one body and the body, Colossians 118, the body and the church are the same, that simply means there are how many churches? There's only how many systems of belief? One. One. Well, if there's only one system of belief, how do you come up with different ways of being saved and pleasing God? Somebody's caught up in their pride. Amen. And they're too prideful to acknowledge that I was wrong and God is right. Can can I put a disclaimer up? We in the Church of Christ don't go around saying we as individuals are right. We should. The doctrine is right. The plan is right. I'm not saying we're not righteous. But we don't guarantee people. We guarantee the plan. There are going to be some folks sitting up in the church of Christ going to bust here wide open. Did you hear me? Going to bust here wide open. Why do I say that? Because the Bible says that. Because if everybody in the church of Christ were going to heaven, there would not be a need for a judgment. But because the judgment first begins in the house of God, everybody in the church ain't gone. But the plan, we do guarantee. The plan, the doctrine, we guarantee. You cannot go wrong. By obeying and following the plan. You can't base your salvation. Or you shouldn't base your salvation. On what you see. How, how other people live. Well so and so is a member of the church of Christ. I see them out there fornicating. I see them out there uh, getting drunk. I see them at the club. You know what? They shouldn't. Shame on them. They shouldn't be doing that. You're absolutely right. But that doesn't make the Christ church wrong. That doesn't make what he died for wrong. There are fornicators and liars and thieves at the banks. At the doctor's office. Everywhere you go. Where you shop. 
Do you put all of them in the same category? No. Well, you can't put everybody in the church in the same category. <clears throat> Naaman had a pride issue because he wanted to be saved based upon how he felt Amen. he should be saved. Did you hear me? Why didn't Elijah come out and do some hocus pocus and you know some big fanfare? Why didn't lightning come from the sky? I'm named Captain of the God. Sent here by the authority of the king. You see the you see these folks I brought with me? Do you see the, the silver, the gold? You see the wardrobe I have? And on top of it, he was told to go dip in the dirtiest of all the rivers. And that really set him off. He said, oh, heck no. First, you don't come out and acknowledge who I am. you're going to turn around and tell me to go dip in the Jordan? The dirtiest of all the rivers? Do we not have Abna, Parfar, but you're going to send me to the Jordan? The little, the little man said, if he had asked you to do you know, some big thing, you would have done it, right? Right. Yeah. Why don't you just do the simple thing? Right. And this is what we try to get over to people when we, we, we differ in our agreements on doctrine. Mm -hmm. mm. That's why the first thing I ask, do you believe the word of God? Do you believe in the word of God? Mm -hmm. They say, yes. So you believe the Bible is God's word and you believe in it. Yes, okay, we, we can move forward. Now, if we believe the Bible is God's word and you believe it's true, why can't you believe Ephesians 4 and 4? Mm -hmm. That there's only one church. Now, why would the Lord have one church but send people out to teach different ways to be saved. That just wouldn't even make sense. If there's only one church, there's only one teaching, one belief. So apparently, some of these other religions are bootleg. They say they are Christ, but the truth is they're not. They say that they are part of the true vine, but in truth they're not. Amen. Naaman was upset because you're going to send me to the dirtiest of the rivers. And people get upset because you're questioning me about what my Great-grandparents or grandparents taught me. You're saying they were wrong. I'm, I'm not saying they were wrong. I'm saying God is right. Amen. You just said you believe the word is true. Folks, I don't have to apologize for you being wrong. God is right. People, people love to say well, preacher, you're right on that. I said, no, the word of God is right. Amen. Don't, don't, don't involve me in it. The word of God is right. Anytime you bring man into the equation, you're going to mess up. Amen. Keep man out of it. The word of God is true. It's right. And we wouldn't have all of this religious confusion if men would just humble themselves and acknowledge 
who God is. But because man has a pride problem. And because men find it, hey, this is, this is a quick way to make some good money. Let's be honest. This is a quick, easy scam to make money. Get a Bible, wear some dress clothes around every day, sit up at Waffle House or IHOP and, and carry around a Bible and then folks will start calling you reverend. Next thing you know, you pimping folks. And because folks are so they're, they're so ignorant, they won't open the Bible and study for themselves. They're just looking for somebody to lead them. But I read somewhere it says, study to show thy self approved unto God. I don't, I don't, I don't have a problem respecting a preacher. I don't have a problem respecting a person in authority. But that doesn't mean I'm not going to check up behind. Amen. They could quote scriptures all day and night. That doesn't mean they're holy. The devil quotes scriptures. But getting back to Naaman. Naaman. Naaman cooled off. He cooled off. He went to the Jordan. Now, what would have happened if he would have gone over to Parfa and dipped seven times? Huh? Let, let, um, can I share a story? Can I share a story? Before I, before I even met my wife, I dated this young lady. <laughs> she was loaded. Brother Jackson. She was loaded. <laughs> she had some moolah. Had a several businesses, everything. Somebody in the church hooked me up. <laughs> we talked for a little while. I said, Well, I just gotta let you know. Because of our difference in beliefs and religion, you know what? I draw the line tonight. Nothing goes any further than where it is right now. Because ain't no need to be leading you on. And I don't care how you feel. I ain't going no further with this. Believing differently. She came to church with me a couple of times. One night she called me and she said, I have a proposal. Yeah. I said, what? She said, well, what if I leave the church I attend and I'm going to go to this Christian church mm -hmm. and you leave where you go and you come to the Christian church. That way we can meet each other halfway. <laughs> you sacrificing and I'm a sacrifice. I said, you don't get it. I ain't leaving nothing. She said, but I understand what you're saying and what you're saying is right. What you show me and everything. I said, well, why don't you just obey it? She said, no. She said, no. See, she was low. And why do I keep saying that? Because the devil was saying, bruh. Bruh. Come on, bruh. This girl driving around cars and some folk couldn't even pronounce her name. And all in the name because what church? Bruh, you better let her? Bruh! And you know what? These are some of the same challenges we face today. Amen. 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 That, that's, that's why we tell you, look, look, look. But boy, you get all emotionally caught up. And like, you bet. What happened to Samson? Mm -hmm. 
What happened to Samson? His parents. What was the advice? What did his parents say? Can't you find somebody of your own? What happened to, what happened to Solomon? And all his great wisdom. God came and said, They're going to turn your heart against me. Now, you can't get greater counsel than that. Amen. Solomon, leave them alone. They're going to turn your heart away from me. Did Solomon listen? No, he didn't. And before you know it, Solomon would, Solomon would build an altars for all different kinds of religions. This one sacrificed babies. This one sacrificed animals. This one sacrificed kids. This one sacrificed this, this and that. Man, it's bad enough having all those wives and concubines, but then you trying to keep up with what they worship? But Solomon came to himself. Thank God. He listened. Naaman came to himself. He went to Jordan. He dipped one time. He was still a leper. He dipped twice. Still a leper. Three. I mean, really, why are you looking? What was the number? Five. What you get mad at? Six. Seven. He went lying. He went lying. What what was what was the problem? Why why were you getting all mad and upset? Just do what God say do. Why do people get upset and get mad when you point out in the scriptures that look? Baptism is essential to salvation. There is no salvation outside of being baptized. Galatians 3.27 says, For many of you that were baptized into Christ have what? Put on Christ. Why are you mad? Because people have a pride issue. People have a pride issue just like Naaman had. But when Naaman decided and understood that, you know what? There's someone bigger than me. There's an authority greater than me that I need to answer to. The king of Israel could not cure him. His master could not help him. Naaman had to come to realize and understand, just like Elijah said, send him to me so that he may come to understand and know that is a prophet of God. I'm going to introduce him to who God is. That's what Elijah was saying. I'm going to introduce him to somebody. And there are people today we come in contact with, they need to be introduced to God. Amen. They need to know who God is. People want to be saved. You can't be saved on your terms. You don't have a heaven or hell to put anybody in. You can't be saved according to how you want to be saved. God is the one who so loved the world and gave his only begotten son. Amen. It was God who offered the greatest sacrifice so that we wouldn't have to go to the cross ourselves. But he allowed his only begotten son to go to the cross and to down the cross. You don't get saved on your terms and your conditions. 
God is the one who set forth the conditions on how to be saved. We have all these scriptures in these 66 books. From the old covenant to the new. How the old was done away, nailed to the cross, and how we have something even better now. Under the New Testament. And God said, guess what? This is my beloved son in whom I am. Well pleased. Hear ye him. Well, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? What are some of the things Jesus said he want people to listen to? Matthew 28, 19. Go ye therefore unto where? All the world. Do what? Huh? Make disciples, preach the gospel, right? Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? Right? And what else did he say at the end? Teaching them to observe whatsoever, what? I have commanded. If I said it, teach it. If I said it, observe it. What did Jesus say in Mark 16, 16? He that believeth and is what? Shall be what? So he said, look, if, if you believe that I am he. If you believe that I am he, I am he. You know what? The chances of you dying in your sins are slim. If you believe that I am he and you do what I tell you to do, you know what? You could be saved. Why? Because in John 14, 6, he said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. I'm that sacrifice. I'm that sacrifice that the Father offered. I'm that sacrifice that God offered that was buried, but on the third day rose again. I am the way, the truth. I don't care what people may say otherwise. If I didn't say it, if it didn't come from me or my Father, it can't be right. So when men say baptism is not essential to salvation, they lie. Jesus said it is. The Holy Ghost said it is. What happened on the day of Pentecost? Huh? Over 3,000 souls were saved. How were they saved? Verse 38 simply explains it. They, they, they adhere to the instructions that were given by the Apostle Peter. Amen. Where did Peter get the instructions from? Peter was led by the Holy Ghost. Where did the Holy Ghost come from? Ain't from God. What were they told to do? Repent. And do what? Be baptized. Be baptized. How many? Amen. Your mama can't do it for you. Amen. Your daddy can't do it for you. Amen. Your sister can't do it. I don't care how good of folks they may have been or may be. They can't do it for you. Nobody could dip into Jordan for Naaman. He had to go dip for himself. But he had to go to the place where he was instructed to go. Naaman, if, 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 if the Parfar River was a church or Abinah Abin was a church, think of it this way, Jordan was a church. What if, what if Naaman would have said, why I got to go to the Jordan church? Why can't I go to Hawthorne church? Because Hawthorne don't have what you need. All spiritual blessings are in Christ. You cannot separate Christ from his church. And you cannot separate the church from Christ. 
Why can't I go to Abana? Abana, huh? Because what you need isn't there. Folks want to know, why can't I stay in the Baptist church? Because the Baptist church is not founded upon the truth. Amen. It's founded upon some man. Why can't I stay in the Methodist church? Because it's not founded upon the truth. Founded upon a mythology. Why can't I stay where I am? Why can't I stay with the Jehovah's Witnesses? Because they're not founded upon the truth. I told you who the truth is. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way to what? The truth. Can't go wrong with Jesus. Amen. Let, let, let me say that then. I'm going to close out. When I die and I stand in the judgment, I'd rather take my risk. I'd rather take my risk and say, Lord, you said in your word in Mark 16, 16, Acts 2, 37, 38, you said in your word, and such and such, that if I did this, you would do this. If I, Romans 12, 1, that if I live and present my body a living sacrifice, you, you said you will save me. Amen. I'd rather take my chance and use his word mm -hmm. than to stand there and try to babble my way into being saved. Amen. Because if I'm going to be condemned for believing and obeying what's written right here, there can't be a heaven anyway. Because God would be a liar. But I know there's a heaven. I know there's a heaven. And I know there's a hell. And I know I can avoid going to hell by just being obedient to what his word teaches. Amen. So don't waste your time arguing and bickering with people. Amen. And don't be apologetic. Some people have made up their mind, they'll go to hell. And that's their right. That's their right. You have the right to go to hell. Anything you say or do will be used against you on the day of judgment. You have the right to stand without representation of an advocate and an attorney. And being that you chose not to obey the Son of God, none will be appointed for you. Do, do you so understand the charges against you? Folks, we bring so many unnecessary problems into our lives because we allow pride to get in the way. We wrestle with situations in our lives that we've been wrestling with it so long when all you got to do is come to know Jesus, give it to him, and let him work it out for you. The other night, the other night on Zoom on the radio, what was it? Second uh, Peter five and seven, I think we were talking about. Make sure I get that right. You'll be saying I'm a false teacher giving out bad information. Mm -hmm. First Peter five, five and seven. First Peter five and seven. The Bible said, "Casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you." How much did he say cast? How much did he say hold back? How much did he say hold back? How much are you holding back? Be honest. Be honest. See, our problem is we don't trust God. We don't believe in the word. Well, I, I just can't give him everything. Why not? 
He said, casting all. And that's the problem with us. We have a pride issue as if we feel we just got to have our hand involved to say, we work this out. God don't need your help with anything. God want the glory. Give it to him. Let him work it out. And you can say, praise God. Look at what he did. But no, we're so caught up in ourselves, we want to say, look at what we did. We like that even on our job sometimes. We don't even want to give other people credit for something they did. We'll say, we did. Just give them both credit and leave it alone. Folks know the truth who did it anyway. Do what you're supposed to do with God. He'll reward you in your time. You ain't got to fight and argue over getting some credit from a man. But the Bible said casting all your kids. All. When are you going to stop lying to God? That's a direct question to you this morning. When are you going to stop lying to God? Well, I don't want to go to him with this. I want to get, what did he say? Casting how much? Oh. Well, if it's been whipping your butt, driving you crazy, keeping you up at night, turning your hair gray, Causing you to lose weight. Why you why you choose to hold on to it? What what satisfaction are you gaining? Casting. But folks, as I close, to do that you gotta have faith. To do that you have to have faith. And one of the biggest issues we struggle with in life is, guess what? We don't have faith. We don't have faith. But the problem with not having faith is, you can't please God without it. Hebrews 11 and 6 said, for without faith it is what? To please Him. Some of us are so worried about our legacy, what people are going to think about us when we're dead and gone. And man, I could care less what folks say. I won't hear. I won't. So I made up my mind just live right, do right, and let folks say whatever they want to say. Man, they lied on Jesus and they still lied on And if they still lied on Jesus after all these years, I can only imagine what they'll say about me. Some folks can't wait for you to die. Then they really want to talk about you. That's why some folks go to funerals. I need to make sure they're dead. I'm getting ready to put something out there. I don't care what you, I don't care what you say when I'm dead. God knows. And the only thing that matters to me is what's recorded in the book of life. That's all. Get rid of your pride issue. You can't go to heaven full of pride. John said, it is not of God. Ain't nothing you need pride for in serving God. Nothing you need pride for. Because it ain't about you. It's about glorifying God. And that's the problem so many of us have. We just cannot turn everything over to God and give God all the credit. We're so full of ourselves and we've allowed this world to, to insert this mentality in us that you've got to give me some credit. You've got to recognize me. Man, look, 
Just do your do your work quietly. Amen. Amen. God will reward you all. Even if it's after you close your eyes and he said, well done, and let you come into heaven. It's worth it. What say ye today? Are you willing to turn away and let go like Naaman did? Are you willing to just do what the Lord say do? Or you want to keep holding on to what you feel is right? But the problem with feelings, they'll fool you. They'll fool you. I I shared this story before growing up. Reggie used to meet some fine girls. Fine girls. I used to say, oh, I'm married this girl. This girl so woo, woo, woo. Used to say, Lord, bless me with this one. <laughs> boy, I've never been so thankful that God didn't answer prayers, boy. Because <laughs> later on down the road, you said, what a mess that would have been. Amen. But see, everything was based on feelings. It was on feelings, not what I knew, based on what I felt. You could be fooled by a feeling, and it'll leave you feeling like a fool. Your salvation ain't about feelings. Your salvation is about facts. Jesus said, except you believe that I am he. You're going to die in your sins. And he said, where I am, you can't come. Luke 13 and 3, he said, I tell you, nay, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Folks, it's as simple as this. God did not make being saved something you need to go to college for to understand. It requires you. To deny yourself. To accept that his word is true. And to say you know what. I'm willing to do. What he commands me to do. It don't require. No degrees. Nothing. No fanfare. Nothing. It just takes an honest heart. Faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God. The word of God. Teaches that what? One must hear. Hear how hear the gospel of how Jesus came to this world. How God so loved the world that God provided a sacrifice, a sin sacrifice. That had no sin himself, but he bore our sins. <laughs> that we could be reconciled back unto God. He was already reconciled to God. But God had to find some way to provide to have a bridge between him and sinner man. And God chose his only begotten son to be that bridge. How he came down to this earth in the form of a man in the flesh to suffer, to experience and deal with the pain, the sorrow, the agony. Whatever it is we go through in this life, he understands. Mm -hmm. He understands. Believe it, folks. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Confess Christ to be the son of the living God. Be baptized for the remission of your sin. Therefore, coming up out of the water with greater baptism, you'll be a new creature in Christ. Old things are passed away. All things become Not pre-owned, not pre-certified, new folks. I don't care what you have done in the past, you're forgiven. I don't care what people may remind you of, you are forgiven. I don't care what people keep throwing up in your face, you are forgiven. 
according to the word of God, you are forgiven. And you have a new walk. You have a new family. You have a new citizenship. Everything new in Christ. Live faithful. Live faithful. That's what you have to do. What's required in living faithful? Surrounding yourself around the right people. Amen. The right situations. Amen. Avoiding the appearance of evil. Avoiding temptations. Folks, we're going to be tempted longer we live. Amen. The sin is not being tempted. The sin is giving in to the temptation. You're going to be tempted all your life. But you've got to trust in God to deliver you and have enough faith in Him to help you to avoid giving in to Amen. the temptation. For us who are members of the body, <clears throat> you know the rules. You sin, you repent. You make that confession. Acknowledge it. Put it behind you. Be done with it. Don't keep sitting now wallowing in it. Sin ain't going nowhere until you repent of it. I don't care. I don't care how long you live. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's why as soon as you do wrong in something, you need to get in the habit of asking God to forgive you of it. Because see, just because you forget don't mean God like you who will forget. God don't forget unless it's repented of. Get yourself right. Be ashamed to live this life and die on a technicality and go to hell on a technicality. I thought I forgot all about I did that. No, but God didn't. If we saw sin for what it really is, who wants to sit in a pile of vomit? Huh? Who wants to sit in a pile of vomit? If you sat there today and you look down at your feet or you look in your chair and it's full of vomit, how long would you want to sit there? Huh? You said, well, I would move. I would get in another seat. Well, why would you sit in sin? Mm. After being saved and delivered out of darkness and once again to be entangled into the pollutions of this world, it's just like a dog returning to its vomit. Mm. And that's what you're sitting in right now. If we could see the picture spiritually, some of us are sitting in a pile of vomit. And what does that say about you sitting in a pile of vomit and won't do anything about it? You have the opportunity to clean yourself up today. You have the opportunity to clean yourself up and you can leave here smelling better than you did when you arrived. But it's up to you. What's our song, Sydney? My God is awesome. Come on up. Folks, my prayer is that you will get it right today. My prayer is that you will get it right. Don't wait until something drastically happened to you or around you to prompt you to do what's right. Do right because you love God. Do right because God loves you. Do right because it's the right thing to do. Come on, stand up. And let us sing. The invitation is yours.